This is Dr. Rahman, and I have the pleasure of introducing to you a phenomenal Black woman. Anaila is a young woman who is the daughter of immigrants from Haiti. Her parents told her that they wanted her to be either a nurse or a doctor, but she had different plans. She became a pharmacy tech. And from that, she was able to now be the overseer of the 340B drug pricing program at a major healthcare system in a major city. What this means is that she literally oversees millions of dollars and helps these healthcare systems recoup money in terms of savings. Often with her being the only black person, often with her being the only female in the room, and often with her being the only person younger than 35. Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited to hear your story. So let's start from the beginning. Okay. Young woman, parents from Haiti, why did they want you to be a nurse or a doctor? Because that's what they knew makes money or is a successful. So I would say a lot of people of foreign descent, they hear nurse, doctor, pharmacist, lawyer, and they think, okay, that's a successful person. And, and they didn't know about any of those other things. Okay. And growing up, that did not appeal to you? I wanted to be a nurse, a doctor, growing up. It's when I, um, and then I wanted to be a pharmacist. And then um, I would go to the pharmacy and ask the pharmacist question when my mom wanted to go pick up her medicine. Mm-hmm. I'd ask her questions, how did you do it? And, and then um, in high school, they had this program where whatever you wanted to be when you were a junior, whatever you wanted to be, they would get you an internship in that field. The county would pay you minimum wage. And then um, on the weekends, we'd have like, I guess finance classes, teach us how to do our money and balance your checkbooks and such. So I joined the program and they placed me at Walgreens at the store of the lady that I would always go ask questions. And so there they would like, um, for Walgreens, it was free. So she was like teaching me how to, you know, you count by fives and the drugs and everything like that. And then I did that and then they hired me afterwards. So a lot of people were hired at Walgreens. So like in South Florida, you'll see a lot of, I don't know if they still have that program, but back then you'd see a lot of young people as pharmacy techs in Walgreens. So I wasn't certified then. So this was a way, it's almost like Exposure to you, mm-hmm. but um, free labor for the company. Yes. And then hopefully they can hire you, a yes. future employee who's trained in how they do the work. Mm-hmm. So that's how you became a pharmacy tech. Yes. And what specifically does a pharmacy tech do? Um, I always say that maybe I'm biased because I was a pharmacy tech. They run the pharmacy to me. Because if you don't have good techs, your day is not going to go well. So 
They intake the prescription. They type the prescription. The pharmacist checks it to make sure that they typed it correctly. There's no interactions. Um, if there's like an adjudication issue, so if there's an issue running it through the insurance, the pharmacy tech will call the insurance, figure out what's mm -hmm. going on, mm -hmm. um, the front end, working with the customers. Mm -hmm. You know, the pharmacist is there really doing all of like the clinical stuff and they'll jump in if it's like, you know, right. if they need help. Right. But usually the pharmacy tech is the person that, you that we first. see. Yes. So when we go to get a prescription, that person we're interacting with is yes. more than likely is a pharmacy tech. Yes. Okay. Yes. And the pharmacist is in the back. Checking their work. Okay. So then, so once you, you see the pharmacy tech, you give them your prescription, they type it up, they tell you how much it costs. If there's an issue, they'll call the, um, if it's something that legally they can. So they can't take new prescriptions, but if it's like, hey, this happened, they can call the physician, let them know so the physician can work with the pharmacist. Okay. And then once the pharmacist checks that prescription, another tech fills the prescription. Oh. Yeah. So your tech then, there's a filler tech. <laughs> okay. And usually throughout the day, depending on where you work, you're rotating out. Okay. So then you're filling and they teach you to count by fives <laughs> so you can um, fill it, put the label on there, making sure you're putting the right drug in there and then it goes to the pharmacist to check and verify. Okay. Then, after he checks and verifies it, the tech sells it to you. Unless you have a question, then they'll have you speak to the pharmacist. Okay. Rewarding work for you? It was, but it's a, in retail, it's quick burnout. Why? Because customer service, so you gotta be. <laughs> and it's not just the customers, it's the physicians. It's the well, pharmacy. I mean, you have electronic prescriptions now, so I wouldn't imagine there's a lot of interaction with doctors. Yeah, but if something is wrong and you call them and they're like, how dare you tell me that I did something wrong? Oh, oh. I, I, I guess that is possible. <laughs> I could believe that might happen. Yeah, <laughs> even the pharmacists get it. And then you're getting like, it's the sick people. So oftentimes at the doctor's office, they're listening to their providers but when they get to the pharmacy if they're having a bad day by then they're pissed uh -huh. <laughs> and we get the brunt of it oh okay yeah all right so you then decide i don't want to be a pharmacy tech so i wanted to be a pharmacist at the time i was working so okay. i was in college okay. i was in school yes um while i was in school um while i was a tech first you're like non-certified you're just a regular tech then um, Walgreens paid for me to go take my um, certification test, and I passed it. Mm -hmm. So then you become a certified tech. And Can a certified tech do more than a non-certified, or does a certified tech get paid more? Certified tech gets paid more. Gotcha. Um, I think now the rule is like they're going more towards more places or doing cert um, you have to be certified. Mm -hmm. So the certified tech get paid more, and then... I was there long enough, then I became a senior certified tech. So now I'm the tech training new techs because mm -hmm. I already understand, like, I knew all the insurances by heart. Mm -hmm. I knew this doctor writes this way. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is what mm -hmm. this means. And so now you become basically a lead tech. Mm -hmm. And I even did the schedule and everything. Mm -hmm. So at this time, I wanted to be a pharmacist, but I didn't want to be in school that long. I was a good student, but I was a lazy what, student. Four, four years for pharmacy? Yeah, your your undergrad, and then you got to do your grad, like your yeah, your four years afterwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I'm a good student, but I'm a lazy student. I was just like, I don't see that. 
mm-hmm. can't see myself doing mm-hmm. this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was a tech. I was 17. Um, mm. And I couldn't be an official tech until I was 18. Okay. So I was a cashier first, actually. Okay. Until I was 18. Gotcha. And then um, I decided not to be a pharmacist. And I was like, okay, then I'll do nursing. And I went through nursing. I was in clinicals. I did well. It came easy for me compared to my peers because they're working in retail. I was already in healthcare, so right. I knew all the medical terminology. When right. we got to like pharmacology, I like <laughs> yes, yes, because working for so long, like I knew the drugs. Knew I the knew, drugs, I right. knew what that. Yeah, I knew yes. everything, and I was like, yes. "Oh my gosh, this is so easy!" And um, I was in clinicals and everything. And then during that time. I um I was in, I moved to North Carolina when I was in, went to college in North Carolina. My cousin actually passed away. I should say that you grew up in Florida. Yes, I grew up in Florida. Okay, and then you went to school in North Carolina. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I went to Winston Salem State University. Oh. Yeah, so I was at HBCU. Yes. And then um my cousin passed away, and that kind of derailed me with nursing. So. When you're in clinicals, you can't miss days. I I was like, I'm going back home to go to his funeral. Sure. And so they tried to work with me, but I was not there mentally. Got you. Got you. It was kind of a blessing in disguise because I, I was good at it, but I wasn't, I could tell I wasn't going to be happy with it because mm. it was very similar to pharmacy tech, the, the burnout. Um, the interaction with patients and the interaction with family, you yeah. felt was going to lead to burnout similar to what you experienced before. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then I switched my major. So when I went back to school, I went switched it to healthcare management because it was in the same school, college. Yes. And so I didn't have to take anything yes. additional. Yes. And I just wanted to graduate. <laughs> so um, I did that and I actually liked it. Like I was able to like, the the financial parts I, I, that's when I realized I like like the business part of things and mm-hmm. how it works and mm-hmm. and so I loved it and I was like oh I'm gonna be a nursing home administrator okay okay and so um, so yeah. we went from pharmacist to nurse mm-hmm. now I'm going to be a healthcare ministry. Yes. At this okay. time, my parents are like, what are you doing? <laughs> I've had so many interventions. Is this the last time you're going to switch your major? Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. And okay. so when I switched to business, my dad is more so the, um, he's non-traditional Haitian. He's traditional, but non-traditional. He's like, I don't care. Just get out of school. <laughs> and my mom's like, my friend told me that you know, people, her kid graduated with business and she can't find a job. And I was like, I'm not her kid. Oh, okay. So they weren't confident that you were making the right choices. Yes. Uh-huh. My dad, I, he, I think my mom was vocalizing what he felt, but he was just like, whatever. Okay. <laughs> so she was very concerned. Okay. She was very concerned that I wasn't going to be able to find a job. It was hard because nurses, everyone needs nurses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you would always have a job. Yes, you could go anywhere and be a nurse. Yes, and I remember I told her I'm gonna I'm gonna be the nurse's boss one day. So don't so. I'd rather do this. It's gonna take me a little bit longer, but I'm gonna be their boss. So that's I make more than that, mom. She's like I don't know. <laughs> okay, so you graduate. 
graduated with a degree in healthcare management. In healthcare management. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Now you have to find a job, right? Yes. So while I was in school, they um good thing about my school is they made us take an inter- do an internship. Some schools don't make you intern in undergrad. Mm-hmm. So the your last semester internship was a requirement. So I was working at I was interning at the Downtown Health Plaza. It's part of the I don't even think they're called because they were bought out Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was like one of their clinics that's, they had like a lot of underserved, like it was like underserved community. Mm-hmm. And we did like a program, an event, and I did it from scratch, me and my, um, one of my peers. Um, we got a grant from the March of Dimes, mm-hmm. all of them that went through the program because it was a program that helped women um, that were pregnant having babies to make sure that they were going to their visits, getting supplies for their babies, so to help with the mortality and mm-hmm, mobility mm-hmm, rate. Mm-hmm. And so we did a whole event. We got donations from everywhere. We got food. We got the March of Dimes just to congratulate these women and give them more things. So Fantastic. we did like, yeah. So that was like my end of the year project. About how many women were in this project? We did it. We had about maybe 500. Yeah, that had to come back. And we had, I had people that come in, they did a poem, we had music, we had everything. Excellent. And then Excellent. We, we taught them, we had like someone come to show them how to do the proper car seat stuff. Yes. And what are like, at that time, the correct car seat to use. Yes. And we gave out gift baskets and everything for them. And so while there, the, um, the clinic manager... It was another black woman. She looked at my resume and my um, my peer's resume. She fixed it for us. She was like, this is, as a manager, she's like, you guys are great, but school don't really teach you how to do your resume, right? So she did a resume for us. She helped me do my resume. And then um, I went back to Walgreens and I was like, huh, maybe I should do manager. So I was telling Walgreens, okay, I got my bachelor's degree. Y'all need to promote me. Let's <laughs> look. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember. And what would the promotion be? I wanted to be the store manager and eventually district manager. Of Walgreens. Yes. Okay. So not just the pharmacy. Yes. The entire store. Yes. Okay. And so I told them. I remember the district something. The district something came in, and I was like, I saw him, and I was like, Hi. You know, I was like, you know, I've been working here for ten years, and I just got my bachelor's. So I think that you know, <laughs> it's time for me to get like a promotion. I, I know I need a, I, I want to do assistant manager and then put me on track for district manager. I just went up to him. <laughs> That's pretty bold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And what was the reaction? He said, oh, that is great that you, I think he gave me a, you know, a PC answer because he probably wasn't thinking that. say, <laughs> like, what is wrong Girl, with her? Yes. And, and, and my coworkers are like, Girl. <laughs> and I was like, hey. I put 10 years in here. They should. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so he was like, okay, yeah. Um, After the holidays, we'll definitely look into it. Um, You know, thank you for working here for 10 years and, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And then they were taking too long. And I remember telling my store manager, I was just like, if by February, you guys are not getting me up there to assistant manager and there's no spot for me, I'm mm-hmm. leaving. Okay. And then he was like, you leaving? I was like, yeah, I'm leaving. He was like, what if you can't find other jobs? I'm still leaving. Had you been looking at that yes. time? Okay. I had been looking. Okay. But February was my date. I'm leaving. 
All right. So I'm applying, applying, applying. And then um, they finally set something up. But I'm still applying because I felt yes. like they took too long. And so I was like, I felt insulted that they took so long. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It speaks to, and we'll get to that, but knowing your worth. But yeah. please, go ahead. Yeah, because I, I was, I was I'm the best tech. I knew I was the best tech. When mm -hmm. I was there, things ran so smoothly. Mm -hmm. I would tell everybody, you go here, you do mm -hmm. this, you're mm -hmm. best at this, let's mm -hmm. get it done. Mm -hmm. And so then um, I interviewed for Wake Forest Baptist Health. That was Remember, I, work, I interned at the clinic, the actual hospital. Yes. yes. So um, for a position, I was scheduling the hospital list. So for the hospital yes. list department. Yes. Doing their schedule and the mid-levels. And yes. then sometimes um, when they had students, to add them to their rotations and such. Gotcha. And because I was a senior tech and I'd done the schedule at Walgreens before, they hired me. The week that they told me, okay, next week... You're going to be training to be assistant manager. I was like, oh, it's too late. I got a job. <laughs> oh. So you, did you do that because they took too long or was it more because you're getting paid more? They took too long and I was getting paid more. Because even if I wasn't getting paid more, I would have left. You would have left? Yes. Oh, interesting. Because they took too long. Okay. Because... I have this. I was like, because they should have seen how amazing I was. They didn't appreciate what they had. Exactly. Got you. Exactly. All right. And then, the, and the biggest one was my new job. I wouldn't have to work holidays and weekends as a store manager. <laughs> and I like to go home back because I was still in North Carolina, so I like to go back home. Sure. And be with my family. Sure. And so, um, so then I started doing the schedule for the physicians, and. At that time, I think I was making like $17 an hour or something. Mm -hmm. I was excited. I thought I was rich. <laughs> I told my mom, I got this new job. This is finally a job within my major, and I'm making $17 an hour. And she was just like, She's not impressed. Not impressed. <laughs> She's like, That's nothing. Like, oh, Lord. She's Four like, years of college. Yes. Yeah, for $17 an hour. And she's like, That's nothing. And I was like, you know, my parents are, my dad is a, um, he was a janitor at a school and my mom's a CNA. So mm -hmm. to me, mm -hmm. hey, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but she wasn't impressed at all, mm -hmm. at all. And my dad was like, leave her alone. Stop. Don't kill her joy. Just let her. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> while there, um, I decided to buy a house. I bought a house and I was happy doing what I was. The physicians were great working with them. Um, I was just, I was happy there, but I needed to furnish my house and I couldn't afford to <laughs> With $17 an hour, it was hard. Yeah. And you had a mortgage payment and yes. Yes, yes. And so I wanted new, I wanted nicer stuff. Okay. I had my college stuff in there. Okay. But I wanted nicer stuff. That's right. You're and, a working woman now. Yes. I was trying. And so how old are we at this point? I was 25 or 26. Cause in the midst of me changing my 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 um my major, mm -hmm. I, I stayed in school. Mm -hmm. That's why my dad was like, "I need you to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> You've been here long enough." <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I was like 20, 25 or twenty six. Okay. And so then I'm like, okay, I need to find something better because I gotta furnish this place. I have all of these ideas of decorating, and I need to afford it. So I'm looking at this point. So I'm looking, 
again i'm looking so then i was like oh i want to do the nursing home administrator but you have to get a preceptor and do all these hours and i was like i don't know if i'll be able to do that um just with work and i have a mortgage i can't not work so then i started looking to be like uh practice managers but oh, okay. mm -hmm. yeah. and i was like that could be a segue into it yes but nothing was <laughs> coming back mm -hmm. then i saw one with the same health system um and it was um pharmacy business specialist and it said you know for a pharmacy tech background with a bachelor's degree and i was like oh i got that i had nothing they i didn't even read what like i read the other stuff i didn't know what they were but i was like i got two out of it so i'm gonna apply oh so stop <laughs> there is a list of requirements for yes. this position and you had two of the requirements yes not all of the requirements yeah and you said okay. i'm going yeah i got two out of it and I was like, I can learn the rest because it said That's something about That's very interesting because they say that women in general mm -hmm. do not do that. Yep. They will only apply if they have all of the qualifications. Mm -hmm. Men tend not to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because at work that would say, you're like a guy to me. Because <laughs> I, I tend to do not what the typical woman would do. Okay. So. Yeah. So I had two. Um, it was like maybe... One of them was like advanced Excel skills. I didn't have it. I was like, I could learn that. I was like, you two sure. would teach me. Yeah. <laughs> and then yes. um, the other one was 340B. I didn't know what that was. And I was just like, well, I I'm, learned. Yeah, I'm halfway there. I applied. <laughs> okay. And then I got an interview. Yeah. And um, that's when he said, he's like, most people don't know 340B. <laughs> and, you know, he explained to me what it was. And, um, and then made me take like an Excel test or just, it wasn't even a true Excel test. It was more of a common sense test. <laughs> mm -hmm. In retrospect, do you think that was because there was so little interest in this opportunity? Or do you think you just outshone all of the, uh, the other potential applicants? I think it was a combination. I think that no one really knew what it was. No one knew what it was. And then people tend to overthink. Mm. I tend to go into things and think I know what I'm, what I'm talking about. My dad always says, you're like a scam artist. You go in there with all the confidence and you know this much of it, but you happen in the conversation, you putting it all together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so good. Okay, so you go there, you interview. And they say yes. Yes. And I got the job. And I was making more. But hindsight, um, they underpaid me. I didn't know to negotiate at that time. So I just know I went from $17 an hour and they told me I'm getting paid like, I think it was like $45,000 a year. Okay. To me, I was just That was like, a big change. Yes. Yes. I can now buy the furniture I wanted. Yes. 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 So that was a big change. And I was like, yes, I'll take it didn't know better <laughs> and um so i i started um so he was explaining to me what 340b is and basically do you want me to kind of please please okay. um we I, let me just do a little segue to say that um, it seems that in this country more of us are needing prescription drugs yes and the problem is that drugs are expensive yes and if you're someone that doesn't have a lot how do you afford 
drugs. Yeah, exactly. So please, and that's what the 340B drug pricing program is meant to deal with. It's meant to help um, those large health systems that have patients that can't afford it so they can stretch their resources to serve their patients. They can do it in many ways. They can create more services that they can reach and at a reduced price. They can um, give them like discounts on their drugs or you know give create grants um, and they can give away free drug if they want. How is it possible that they can do that? So this is how it works. So the 340B program, basically it was, and it was created in 1992. So it's super old, but now more people are actually like hiring experts in it. It was created in 92 because they realized a lot of hospitals um, like higher disproportionate share numbers, which is like, it's like to calculate the disproportionate shares like your Medicaid and Medicare days, you subtract how your patients and it tells you how many disproportionate, you know, um, patients you've had. And so oftentimes a lot of these hospitals were closing. They couldn't keep their doors open because um, in the hospital world or healthcare world, drug expense is your biggest expense, is one of your biggest expenses. And so they knew sometimes when you close the, when these hospitals have to close their doors, that's probably the only a hospital in that area. And those patients can't travel to another health facility. So they remain, they just don't go. Mm -hmm. And they, they, you know, their mm -hmm. problems continue. Mm -hmm. And so this was to help keep those hospitals doors open and allow them to service those patients. Okay. And the way they do it is, all right, your outpatient drugs are eligible for 340B. Once you register, make sure you meet all of the compliance criteria. Any outpatient drug that you purchase, you can purchase at a 340B discount. And what that means is the manufacturers, part of the act, is the manufacturers, if they want to be part of the Medicaid rebate, if they want that drug to be part of their Medicaid rebate program, they must also provide 340B discount price to it as well. And that's all manufacturers want their drugs to be part of the Medicaid rebate. So what they do is look at two quarters back and they um, do some math about like how, what was the cheapest price they sold something. And that's the 340B discounts. On average, um, a, three, a drug that you purchase on 340B is on average about 30% cheaper than your normal wholesale acquisition price. And we're talking about the price the hospital would be paying for the medication? Yes. Not yeah. the patient at this Not point. the patient, the okay. hospital. So if the drug is $100, mm -hmm. the hospital, if they go through this program, mm -hmm. the 340B pricing program, instead of having to pay $100, they might have to pay $70? Yes, yes. Okay. And sometimes, so 30% is the average. Sometimes you find stuff way below the 30%. Sometimes it may be a little bit higher, but it's, mm -hmm. that's the average that we've mm -hmm. been noticing. But I'm going to be paying less than I would ordinarily pay. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so then once you get that, if you have a commercial plan, you just build them as normal. And then that extra buffer or margin, you're able to use it to help your patients. To be clear, I purchased the $100 drug mm -hmm. for $70. Mm -hmm. 
now I'm going to take that expense and give it to the insurance company to reimburse me. So I purchase it. A right. patient needs it. I bill them. So you use the patient's insurance. Yes. But I am billing them $70? My normal price. So usually you bill 70 plus whatever or whatever your contract is. So with different insurance companies, you have a contract. I will be, it'll be... Um, this set price so the average price for this drug like normal yes. price yes minus whatever percent so you'll build them your normal contract price it doesn't matter what you purchase so think of like a retail store you get to you try to find the 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 person that the wholesaler that sells you for cheaper so you can make more profit okay so it's kind of okay. similar in that okay. but for us it's more savings for us because in the pharmacy world you, there's only a 10% margin. So people think pharmacies are like booming. That's why Walgreens and CVS have a front end. Mm -hmm. It's not what you tend to get back from the payer is not that much if you're buying it at like the normal price. Mm -hmm. It's only 10% margin. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. And so, and then even like mom and pops, mm -hmm. some of them, there are certain drugs they say, no, we don't do those because they don't even get that 10% margin. So it's really not worth it for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so now um, we get that. Once we receive it, um, we know we have that extra buffer. It collects, collects, collects. If we happen to have a patient that can't afford the drug. So like for my insurance, my co is $20 regardless. I can afford $20. I pay $20. Health system has that buffer. The next person comes in, their copay is, you know, $200. They can't afford that. Mm -hmm. So then we figure out compliantly within the regula you know, regulations, how do we pass that savings to that patient so they can have their medicine? Okay, just to, it's, it's a bit confusing. Mm -hmm. and I, I want this to be real clear because the hospital says we need to stay viable mm -hmm. because we're in a community that has a large population of people who are underserved or who have Medicaid, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. Medicaid or Medicare, mm -hmm. or is it primarily Medicaid? Medicaid, Medicare, underserved. Underserved, okay. So we can't afford to go under because if we're not here for this community, things will just get worse. Yes. All right. And so the understanding is that because drugs are so expensive, we're going to get a discounted uh, cost yes to, to help us stay afloat to help us stay afloat and then when we build the insurances these individual when these persons come with their individual insurance plans we build what we ordinarily would build but there's a little cushion because we're not paying the price that we used to pay yes so we have we have more we we are essentially seeing more money yes. in our system and that helps to keep us afloat. Yes, because oftentimes, so right now, there's always controversy within the 340B world. So manufacturers like, well, you're not giving it directly to the patient. The program wasn't necessarily to give it to the patient. It was to keep your doors open and mm -hmm. do with it the best way you think you can serve your patients. Gotcha. So hospitals often do it in multiple ways. So um, sometimes... They have, they have programs to give it to the ones that need it. But then the rest of that cushion, sometimes when you're short nurses and you mm -hmm. need more nurses, now you have enough money that you can 
spread across to the other departments that need it to hire more nurses. Like um, when um, you need to expand to another area because that area is now and there's like another hospital that went down. Hey, let me acquire this hospital so we can keep those doors open. Or if patients can't get to us, they could work with Uber, a driver service to make sure they come over. Or we can contract with a another company if to do home infusions or to if this, you know, most of the patients when they come in, you know, there's a lot of um, things that you have to do charity out because they don't pay their ED bill mm -hmm. that provides a buffer for that. Mm -hmm. um, those that are in areas where there's like um, a lot of um, drug addiction, giving out, you know, Narcan's. And even mm -hmm. though there's like a city mm -hmm. Narcan program, mm -hmm. but oftentimes I can't afford this or I need that. So that's really what it is. It's a combination of everything that you have to have to really reach your patients. It's not always them receiving it on the front end. Not meaning that the patient's going to have a lower price to pay for the drug. Yes. The hospital will be able to provide services and stay viable. Yes. And that's the ultimate benefit to the patient. Yes. But the thing that's striking me is we must be talking about huge savings if we can do all those things that you just mentioned. Yes. So that's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's how, well, we jumped in your story a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you started um, getting involved with the 340B pricing program. Yes. And you realized just what a, I guess for lack of a better word, bonanza this was not only for you, mm -hmm. but for hospitals that are participating. Yes. And so like um, at that time, both my coworker, because it was just two of us and I, we were new to three, four, we knew nothing. She was an inpatient tech. I was a retail tech and both of us has bachelor's degree. I think she was like a. Uh, auditor or, or something and so we both had different personalities she likes to find the problems I like talking so I like to go tell everyone hey you did it this mm -hmm. way you got to mm -hmm. do it this way mm -hmm. I love operationalizing things mm -hmm. and I think um when our boss hired us he saw the difference mm -hmm. and he knew we would work well together mm -hmm. so we would do the digging and I'm like oh I think this can help and this can help and it was it was very exciting for me because it was kind of like when I was working at Walgreens, a lot of times you have to solve problems. And so it was always, it wasn't never a boring day. People think working in the pharmacy is boring. It's not boring at all. Some, there's always some drama. <laughs> and so it allowed me to do use my problem solving. So what kind of things are you discovering? It just sounds pretty straightforward. Uh, you used to pay this, now you can pay that. And you'll see this, you know, savings mm -hmm. that you can now use. So how, where's the intrigue and the discovery process that you're so excited about? So the problem is this is a government program. So it's overseen by HRSA, but then CMS has some hands. So you got multiple entities that are not through the same branch mm -hmm. are making rules that are mm -hmm. sometimes contradictory. Right. So these are government agencies that are overseeing this program. Yes. Okay. And they have all these rules and sometimes it's not clear. They make a rule 
and then somebody says this doesn't make sense on how farm hospitals work and then the manufacturer said this isn't fair so there's constant rules mm-hmm. changing mm-hmm. and so and oftentimes this program is run on the back end the rest of the hospital have no idea <laughs> even the pharmacy mm-hmm. it's usually like your executives and whoever's in that team and whoever's purchasing mm-hmm. no one knows what it is so everyone's doing things whatever way they think is best and then we have all of these strict compliance things so people are often doing things that are out of compliance mm-hmm. and i have to go and educate them hey did you know mm-hmm. so when you're charting you need to chart it this way okay so that's where it is because it's constantly auditing to make sure that you're in compliance Okay. And then, but the rules are murky, so you have to interpret what you think the rules mean. Okay. All right. So I'm going to fast forward your story. You now are deeply involved with 340B drug pricing. Yes. You realize that a lot of people don't even understand what it is, Mm -hmm. but you do. Yes. And you then apply for a job, which you are, quote unquote, on paper, not necessarily qualified for, right? Because you don't have the degrees that would... You're talking about my current one? Your current job. Okay, yeah. So, fast. let's actually rewind to fast forward. Okay, fine. So, I was there. Then my dad got sick and had to move back to Florida. Oftentimes, I wanted to be a 340B manager. And I remember telling my boss that. He had moved on. He's like, you can. He was like, right now, the industry, they want you to be a pharmacist. But you don't have to be a pharmacist. And he was like, you can do it. And he also told me that they were underpaying me. I need to learn how to negotiate next time. He told you that. He said, you need to negotiate. He's like, you never take a job and don't negotiate. Because okay. <laughs> I learned Because he was trying to get me more and he couldn't get it more. So then I applied for a job in Florida for a manager position. 340B manager. It was at FQAC, and they hired me. Okay. That is unheard of at that time. Because you weren't a pharmacist. Exactly. Okay. And the reason they hired you, what what do you think the reason was? Because I, I went in there, even though I was in a pharmacist, I had that same attitude. I know everything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew it, and they were asking me questions. And I was telling them in an interview, asked them questions. I was like, that... That doesn't sound right. You might need to do this instead of that to fix that. So I was already giving them tips on how to correct it. And I also think they probably interviewed other people and they weren't as confident because not that many people know it. Okay. So they hire you. Yes. Okay. And it works. It says, I mean, you're able to generate savings. Yes. I found. So what I, instead of generate, I found areas where they set their system up and they're actually losing money. Because you can lose money in 340B if you don't do it right. Mm. And so I corrected those. I think the things that I corrected, the first ones were like, it was like $100,000 per year. It 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 totaled out. That they were losing. Yes, that I was able to Money that was just going right out the door. Mm -hmm. And they didn't realize it. They didn't realize it. So they're loving you at this point. Yes. And right before, they had got audited by HRSA. Yes. And had to pay money back to the manufacturers because they had qualified certain things that shouldn't have been qualified. Oh, okay. So they were in pain. They were in pain. Okay. So they hired me. And then um, this goes back to negotiating. When I first negotiated, it was like, oh, they bumped me a little bit more. And I said, okay, um, within three months, you'll see that I can find some things and I'll, you know, get you more savings. I like to renegotiate then. 
I've been doing all this work. I taught them how to audit. Streamline went talking to the physician. You need to do it this way. That's why y'all had to pay money back because you weren't doing it right. There's no audit trail. Three months in, I go ask for, hey, my three months is up. Let's talk about me getting that raise because, <laughs> you know, I found these things. And it's like, finish your projects first. And you remember at Walgreens. They didn't believe you could do what you could do. Yes. Yes. As a kid, I've always been the one. Uh I get what I want. (laughs) So he said, finish your projects first. He's like, yes, you're doing well, but I want you to finish them out. And then we can discuss it. And I was already having issues with like um, work-life balance um, because there's a lot of traffic in Florida. And what I do, you don't have to be there at a certain time to get your job done. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was asking, hey, can I come in a little late? Because I live mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. I'm in like two hours each way traffic. It's just mm. a lot of work. And I was like, well, this is our thing. You have to do it this way. And no fault to him. He was older. And mm-hmm. so that's like my dad. I go to work at this time. I come mm-hmm. home at this time. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. So after he told me three months, I turned on my LinkedIn button that I'm open for recruitment. <laughs> And that's how you found out about your current job? No, I had two more jobs before my current job. Oh, okay. But along the way, you're getting stronger and more confident about what you know. Yes. Are you going to larger organizations? Yes. Going to larger organizations. So then I turn my button on. Um, a recruiter contacts me. I, I wasn't actively looking yet, but I turned the button on. A recruiter contacts me because you have to use a software system to... Um, to do use the 340B program compliantly. Mm-hmm. The software system was looking for people that had been on the hospital or covered entity side mm-hmm. to help make their software better mm-hmm. in the um, like a business analyst. Mm-hmm. I got the job. They paid me more. I got the job. Mm-hmm. Better work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I was happy for time being. So I left that job at three months, three, four months. The... The, the small okay because yeah. yes. okay. then, then i went to the the um tech company yes giving them my insight and how long were you there nine months <laughs> <laughs> okay and you left because because it i didn't feel like i was doing any good there was a lot of politics they wouldn't listen this is how we do it they didn't understand oh, okay. and it was just a lot of that okay so then my old co-worker from the first 340b job because yes. she had moved on as well to another health system yes. um there's some groups with 340b people she was like hey are you sick of your job yet <laughs> she sent me an email and then she said this hospital is looking for a manager she knows i'm always bopping around and so i was like you said you just sent this to me just in time and so I sent her my resume and she forwarded it to the, to the person there. Then I got an interview. It was actually the hospital I was born at. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, I applied. They were asking me questions of this and that. And I did the same thing. Asking them, like, where their pain points. And I, I was asking. I felt like I was interviewing them more than they were interviewing me. Like, okay, so what is it that's your biggest, you know, concern? Or how do you have this set up? And I was like, ah, you need to have it this way, this way, that way in order for it to work. Is this because more hospitals or entities are becoming aware of the 340B program and under, are starting to understand? If we implement this, we can actually generate some savings. And so now we want people that know about this. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and it's, a lot of them already had it. 
Right, because you said 1992 has yes. been around. A lot of them had it, but they had no one actively manage it. They put the software in and they sat it and forgot it. And then they got audited. And, and then they, they would get fined. Yeah, they would, yes. And then they could find out, found out, we can actually make some money from this. Yes, yes. Okay. And, and, and they thought, so it was always, we got fined. We need to hire someone that knows what's happening. Again, because the rules, the regulations, they're not clear. Mm-hmm. So I don't even fault them for mm-hmm. not knowing mm-hmm. because there's no, there's no standard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then I got that job mm-hmm. working there. Um, this is where for me, it was just the back end things. And then um, with their inventory and their retail pharmacies, it was always off. And so it was messing up my savings numbers because it was never consistent. One minute, one month, I'd have a big savings. Next month, I wouldn't. So then, this is when I started dabbling in in um, inventory management. And I was like, "You guys, there's something over there that's messing up with my numbers." And that wasn't even my area to be part of. But my boss, he was the director of um, outpatient pharmacy, and I was like, "Let me go do re- let me go do inventory for retail because our numbers are not consistent, and they don't make any sense." Or savings and so he was like okay but this pharmacy always operates at a two million loss put two million dollar loss a year because that's where we give away the drugs and so we already knew that we have it in our budget that this is what it is and I was just like there's no reason you should have a loss <laughs> mm-hmm. you could not maybe your you know your savings isn't as much because you're actually directly passing mm-hmm. on but you shouldn't be operating at a loss mm-hmm. so then I went they had six pharmacies. Mm-hmm. I revamped the whole um, inventory management process. Taught them about pars and optums because historically you just buy the bigger bottle so you don't have to keep buying. Mm-hmm. I was like, not with 340B. Mm-hmm. Because with 340B, if I have a 30 bottle of Tylenol for um, one manufacturer, you know, you have different manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to use all of that first before I can replenish it on 340B. You have to use it for 340B people. So if I have one person that comes in for, um, I would say maybe it's a 90 count bottle. Mm-hmm. One person came from a 340B eligible, they mm-hmm. dispensed 30 of that bottle to mm-hmm. them. So I have 60 left. 60 left. Right? I still can't buy it on 340B yet. Because I haven't used up my current bottle. Yes. Then the second person comes in, they can't. They, their prescription qualifies as 340B for 30. Now I got 60 accumulated. And I have 30 still waiting. Right. If that last person comes and it's not a 340B one and I need to buy a new bottle, I have to buy it at the higher price until I get enough of that same NDC of to full for one full bottle. Right. And then I, I, have can to, I have to use it up before I can order again. Yes. And I have to use it up for 340B. Every single pill had to been had, had to have, have to been go to someone that's 340B. 340B. Yes. So when you're buying these large bottles, yes, <laughs> yes, you you want smaller bottles, right? So you could use up before to be and replenish that. Yes, that's how you increase your savings. And then like sometimes they'll buy like thousand count bottle, but they won't need a thousand because they weren't really tracking like the dispensation. The yes. yes, so they would have the software, but not know how to use it effectively. Mm. So myself and my analyst, um. He's a black guy. He, he was there. He's from California. He's an analyst. We revamped that thing. Um, and then um, he said they started 
the one pharmacy there was that two million dollar loss they yes. were now he was like this year we're gonna actually make a million the, no, it decreased from two million to one million yes. loss. Yes. And then he was like, "We're on track for next year to actually have revenue." Wow. And he was like, "This is crazy." Wow. And only because of the work that you had done and the changes you have made. Yes. Informing the buyers, you don't buy big bottles. Look at your paranoctums. Buy a little bit every day instead of one big. Is this at the point where you realize this is huge? Yes that this is a major revenue generator? Yes, this is. And then that made my head even bigger. And I was like, oh, man, I know everything. <laughs> and so, and every, it was just going well. And then when we have, we have mock audit companies, our mock audit company came in and he's like, wow, it's just you two because it's like a 1,500 bed hospital mm -hmm. managing that program for it. So we were actually understaffed. Mm -hmm. And... He's like, you guys are doing well. We fix a lot of things and that just savings. Mm -hmm. And so, and then the misconception is sometimes the manufacturers think, oh, they're rolling in the dough. It's just savings so they can correct all of the other areas they're spending money on. No one's rolling in the dough. <laughs> and so then um, mm -hmm. there I asked for more staff so I can mm -hmm. really make more money mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. But... Again, there was that disconnect from my direct manager understood, but then there's a disconnect because most times the higher up, the CEOs and chief pharmacy officers and such, they know the program, but they don't realize the impact of it. And I think historically in healthcare, they think this is a pharmacy program, so we need more pharmacists. We need more clean specs or we need more physicians. But mm -hmm. when it comes to the business of it, you need a business person because a pharmacist or a physician, they're gonna think about the patient first. I think about patients, but I think about how to incorporate it to make money. Mm -hmm. They're like, I don't care. We need to do this to get to the patient. I'm like, let's do it this way instead. Mm -hmm. So that's, they tend to kind of spend more money unnecessarily because their first thought is, we need this now. And so that's the biggest struggle I would have said in my industry mm -hmm. is it's important, but we, we need a pharmacist to run it. We need, we need more pharmacists so we can save money and not putting the, the resources into that team, the 340B team. That's what they're saying mm -hmm. to you. And you're saying, no, no, no. Because mm -hmm. they're like, you're just auditing to right. make sure we're compliant. Like, right. why you can't, right. why can't right. you right. audit? You're not a revenue generator. Yes. Which, which, in fact, you are. Because I'm looking at your processes and saying, this process is costing you money. money. Right. But most times, those two don't connect. Right. Right. I, okay, so... You're trying to get people up to speed that this is a truly godsend program yes. for a struggling hospital. Yes, and you need to, if your analyst costs $80,000, trust me, that that analyst was going to save you money. Exactly. So okay. it's worth it. Okay. But oftentimes with pharmacists, technically pharmacists don't make you money. Mm. They make you, but they're not making it as much as the 340B person. 
if you have someone that knows it well. Mm-hmm. So then that went back to my, uh-oh, I'm not happy now. <laughs> I was there for a year. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And so then I turned that button back on. On LinkedIn. And then <laughs> someone contacted. I actually had two. I was like, they were competing for me. Two places contacted me. And this, I thought my cap was manager. So I was happy to be a manager. And I said, okay, maybe I can get to, after I got the inventory stuff, even my direct manager there, he was trying to get me maybe director or associate director of um, pharmacy supply chain plus 340B. Because he was like, you did do that. And Got you. You yes. could be over there. So he was he was very supportive. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like, okay, I want that. I want an associate director, director job. And I think, to me, that was my cap. Mm-hmm. So one place contacted me, one recruiter contacted me for director of 340B. I had never seen a director of 340B position because they always had manager. And I was like, oh, cool. I applied. Um, and then another one contacted me. Another recruiter sent me. She's like, we have a associate vice president for 340B and ambulatory pharmacy services. Would you be interested or do you know someone that's interested? I was like, I'm interested. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Both of those had a requirement as a pharmacist, master's degree, and knowing 340B. I knew 340B and that's all I felt like but I needed. no master's. No master's, no PharmD. I just have two different hospital two systems. different hospital systems two okay. major hospital systems two major hospital systems and two different states two different states okay they both fly me in mm-hmm. remember I don't have all of the qualifications you have very few qualifications <laughs> yes. yes yeah I just have the the I have a bachelor's but they preferred masters or pharmacists and I know three forty B and I say that's enough <laughs> <laughs> okay. and I wild both. But the, the one with the director position, there's one guy there that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Because okay. I just felt like he was challenging me because, oh, well, we do all of this. And I'm like, you're doing all of this, but you don't have to do all of this. So actually, you're wasting money and time. And so he didn't like because he didn't think I knew it because I created this. Just because you created it doesn't mean that we can't tweak it. He was very challenging. Mm-hmm. And so in my head, I was just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not feeling that. But mm-hmm. I'd go there to go somewhere else. <laughs> Got you. So then the other health system, um, they interviewed me, but they were very slow to move. And so I had to call the recruiter. I was like, look. I got this other place mm-hmm. that I just interviewed for. Mm-hmm. I would prefer you guys, so I need you guys to move a little faster. So mm-hmm. I won't have to mm-hmm. make that. So they called me in for a second interview. And with them, this is the first health system that has a title for 340B that high. Associate Vice President. And that's because we're now starting to appreciate how important yes. this is, this yes. program is. Yes. Okay. And I remember, I was manager. Mm-hmm. to associate vice president mm-hmm. and it's and and i was my interview wasn't with like the staff in the pharmacy as i'm used to at other um um interviews i've gone for this position it was the c-suite mm-hmm. it was the chief pharmacy officer the health system ceo mm-hmm. the chief regulatory and compliance person the person mm-hmm. overall clinics mm-hmm. and all of them were cons- there in general, they were saying, you're a manager. And you're young. <laughs> yes. And you're black. 
and yeah and one of the questions i remember is like you're kind of green like you just graduated right because how many years are we out of school i think i graduated in 24 i graduated 2014 Okay, and now you're talking to the CFO. Yeah, and it was 20... When did I interview? Um, so 2019. Five years ago? Yes. Okay. okay. Most time when you get to associate vice president, you have 10... 12. For me, I said Walgreens is included. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't do 340B, but it's pharmacy operations. So I always say, don't, don't describe... <laughs> Okay. I always say Walgreens is included. Alright. So then um the one of them was like, okay. So so what you have, although you don't have the quote unquote formal education, mm -hmm. you have all this work experience. Yep. And with the work experience you're able to say they were at a deficit and we generated a profit. Mm -hmm. And you could show that at every place that you had been. Because I understood operations. Because I was at Walgreens for 10 years. I know how pharmacy works. So if they did something that wasn't compliant, I know why they did it. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes mm. when you get a okay. person that graduated, they didn't you. have that experience. That's right. On, on the ground level. Yes. That's right. They don't know why they're doing it. So it's, they're like. I got you. Trying to figure out yeah. why. Yes. I already knew why because I did it too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so um, that was a lot of, like, there's two big questions that I had at my interview and I loved and I think I blew them away with those two answers that I gave them. One of them was, you're kind of green. You're only five years out of school. Why would I give you my millions of dollars of program? I think he said my $100 million program to run. And I was just like, because at my last hospital, they gave me their $76 million program. And I flipped it to $100 million. Mm -hmm. So you give me your $100 million, I'm going to flip that. Mm -hmm. So my years doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. He's like, that's right. I think he was testing me just to see. And it's like, it goes back to like, be confident. Mm -hmm. And what was the second question? The second one was, this, you were a manager before. This is an associate vice president. There's people that are directors that are applying for this, that have been doing this for years. Like, why would they have been doing what? The, the pharmacy and pharmacy for years, or even this job for, as a director, longer than you've been in this mm -hmm. why should we give it to you and not the director that's been a director for like 10 years i said he's been a director for 10 years but they, what did he do say and and, and then and that, they also was like and you're always you don't stay more than a year <laughs> anywhere they're like the only place you've been there for a long time is walgreens <laughs> and i said every place that i've worked at i hadn't stayed for a year but i guarantee you i left them in a much better position than they were and I left them in a much better position than your director of 10 years. Because mm -hmm. he's been doing the same thing for 10 years. Mm -hmm. What major change has that person made? Mm -hmm. And I was like, go back. I said, I still have, even though I left them, they still text me and email me for mm -hmm. questions. Mm -hmm. And now they know better. And I didn't have to be there for 10 years to make them better. Good answer. Yep. And <laughs> they're like, oh. Okay, so you blew them away. Mm -hmm. And it, you said, basically, I know what I'm doing, mm -hmm. okay? And I have proof yep. that this is not just talk. Yep. And sometimes they will ask me, how did you, how were you able to flip it? How did you know this was an issue? And I was like, it was just common sense. <laughs> I 
It's like, I don't, I don't know how to explain how I knew. I didn't have to do any math. I just saw that, oh, you're doing this wrong. It's because you're doing this. I was like, it really was common sense. And, and I got a job mm -hmm. for the one I wanted. So you got the one you wanted. Mm -hmm. And is that your current job? Yes. Okay. And now you are overseeing millions of dollars yes. in this large healthcare system. Yes. And how long have you been at this job? A year and a half. I think it'll be two years in February. And have they seen you You take them into the positive? Yes. I've. They were severely, this was the most questionable. I was like, what were you guys doing? At least other places at some point and they're like well that's why we that's why we decided to create this this is the first company that had a 340b position this high yes. but when i went in there i i knew why because <laughs> <laughs> it was bad they had no clue they had no clue. i literally had so to they knew it. what the 340b pricing program was because it's been around mm -hmm. since like you said 1992 they had gotten audited and had to pay back money and because you know, they weren't doing it right. Mm -hmm. But they had people there. doing it, running that 340B. They had a pharmacist. That didn't understand it? Nope. And they had to pay a lot of money back. They had a list of things, corrective action plans. The legal department had to jump in and really get it done. And, um, and what kind of results have you produced? They're like, every time we do audits, Compliant, compliant, compliant. A lot of things Fantastic. that I couldn't because of the software set up wrong. I had to say, we got to shut it down. I would shut it down. And I said, this is my timeline to fix it. So there are certain things that we've had to shut down. Yes. And it's still shut down until we fix it. But I was like, I'd rather shut it down. I'm going to make you more money here. Yes. And we're going to shut this one down so we can be compliant. And they seen it. I think within a year, I had exceeded my goals. One of their pharmacy was losing money. They weren't even making it anymore. And I brought them back to, we always say, they used to make a bunch because they were doing it wrong. And then they had to stop and they were losing money. I brought them back to better. And I would say, but compliantly. Okay. Good for you. And then I hired a new team. My analyst from my last job. Yes. He came on over. <laughs> Good. And um, it's because funny. Because you need people. I mean, how many people do you need? I mean, this is a large yeah. healthcare system. How many people are on your team? So on my team, they're actually giving me more people. I'm hiring people <laughs> to expand my team. And most places, one, two people. The manager and maybe two analysts. I have myself, so I'm over the, the AVP, so I'm more strategy. I do the strategy. This is the strategic plan we need to do. My manager, he does the day-to-day. -day. He has three analysts. Mm. And then... I'm getting um, kind of a reimbursement person to really look at other things on how to get the patients to create a, um, we call it a PAP program, um, patient assistant program. Mm -hmm. So now we're trying to create that. So, okay, we're making more. Now let's create a program to streamline us, giving them directly back. Because we see a lot of, we have a lot of specialties and stuff. So mm -hmm. we know there's a lot of high cost drugs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I'm getting a team where, you know, Regardless of where the prescription went, whether it was eligible or not, let's make sure now I can have a team 
to call the patient. They got a, a patient liaison, basically. If you're like on high cost drugs or very yes. specialty drugs that you have to take, yeah. regardless if you use our pharmacy or not, I'm hiring a team that I'm gonna call you every month. Did you get it? How you feeling? Is it working? Someone dedicated to that. Why is that important for your for your particular aspect of the 340B pricing program? I understand how it's important for a physician or someone to check on the patient. Why is it important for you to check on the patient? If I have no patients, <laughs> but the, the goal is really, um, we're here. We, we our disproportionate share of where I am now is 43%. That mm -hmm. means most everyone is on Medicaid or Medicare. Okay. And patients in our demographic are often the forgotten ones. Mm -hmm. And so they get to the doctor, they already feel like no one cares about them, but they're the adherence to the medication. If they went to the pharmacy and needed a authorization, they couldn't get it, they just move on. And mm -hmm. they don't, then six months later, the doctor realized they, they weren't taking it. Mm -hmm. And so we are providing that service to them because with the 340, I didn't mean to interrupt, but with the 340B pricing program, you have to show that they're using the medication, they're compliant with the medication. You don't have to do any of that, but the goal of the program is to give health systems the opportunity to stretch their resources to provide better services to mm -hmm. their underserved. Mm -hmm. So again, in the 340B controversy world, they think, oh, the, the seals are lining their pockets. No. Mm -hmm. This technically has nothing to do with us gaining more 340B. It's really related to what the core of the program was. We're extending services to make sure that we keep those patients alive. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. So that's how sometimes people think, oh, it's by reducing their copay, not realizing now I'm creating a team with like 10 people to, to be help provide better services. Yes. Which is the bottom line. Mm -hmm. But why is that coming from your department? I, I understand how. Because once you fix something, you get all, they always say your reward for doing a good job is more okay. work. <laughs> and it's because I've been able to operationalize things. So you think about that, mm -hmm. they almost, you know, they had all these struggles before. If there was someone mm -hmm. there that understood, mm -hmm. hey, now mm -hmm. let's do this, mm -hmm. they would have already had it done. Mm -hmm. And so I think the the executives, they trust it in my hands. Like when I say, we need to do this next. Yeah, that could actually help us gain more people to use our pharmacies, but we still want to help our patients. Mm -hmm. And so my role is expanding now. So we've kind of come full circle. Here mm -hmm. you are, younger than 35. Yes. At a very major healthcare system, mm -hmm. overseeing millions of dollars, developing strategy. What's next? I I now I want to run a health system, but for now, I think here where I am now. I always feel like, is this real? Because usually in healthcare systems, you don't get the support because I'm, you know, like you said, I don't have all of those things. Right. But I would say for my leaders, they have shown me so much support in my growth and helping me grow the system. And so 
one of their questions for me was like, you're always leaving. It's like, if you make me happy, I'll stay. <laughs> and I'm happy. Okay. And the support, and it's strange because oftentimes as a black person, yes. as a woman, yes. and I have, you know, locks, uh -huh. <laughs> I have a nose ring, yes. I don't have all the degrees. Yes. There's you don't look the part of C-suite. Yes. yes. That's right. Don't look the part of C-suite or co-chair or VP. I don't look the part. Sometimes I don't speak the part. But they Has that been me. difficult? No. I, maybe it's my I mean, confidence. I mean, so that's okay. Let's that's that's a good segue because uh, there are black women. You hear stories all the time. Black women in corporate America and the struggle, mm -hmm. the struggle they have. You don't make it sound as though you had a struggle. I mean, in, in the sense of interacting, being who you are, yeah. and still being able to succeed. Yes. Okay. Like you said, you have dreads, you have a nose ring, you're black, you're female, obvious things that would make people do a double take. Yeah. But that hasn't held you back in any way. Be and so the question is, what did it take or what are you doing or what made the difference for you? I always say, I'm making you money. It doesn't matter how I look. So that's how I present line. my, yes. Yeah. The if I'm doing my job, how mm -hmm. I look, what mm -hmm. I have, shouldn't matter. If it matters, mm -hmm. I'm going to find someone else. Mm-hmm that appreciates me, mm -hmm. the way I'm presenting. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know. So I think oftentimes with black women, we want that security. Okay, well I need to stay here. You don't have to stay there. Someone will always pay you more money and give you more respect. You don't have to stay there. Do you say that because you have the luxury, and I say luxury, mm -hmm of not having a family, not having a children. I mean, you might have a mortgage, but it yeah. sounds like, relatively speaking, that's not a big issue for you at this point. Yeah. You have the luxury of saying, I can go, I can leave, I can Yes. I can but find I never another job. I never leave before I find another job. I think we don't look. Mm -hmm. We're just unhappy. Mm -hmm. We don't look. Then when we get, we don't ask for what we want. Oh, no, We're, we want the, well, what we want is the security of that paycheck. Yes. You don't ask what we're valued at. I think that's true. Yes. Because, like, you can ask, hey, when they moved, they paid for me to move here. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to, I had to uproot, but still. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm That was something that was, you know, mm -hmm. work-life balance. I love going on vacation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's something I need to make sure I have that work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I ask, and I'm never afraid to ask. Like, at my year, I, I went in there and I was like, hey, I think it's time for me to get a raise because I, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm doing all of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like, you might be right. Mm -hmm. you, we don't ask. Yeah, I think, I think with you is that there's a certain amount of bravado. We call it confidence. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, the bottom line is you produce. Yeah. Yep. And that's another thing. Like when we're unhappy, I'm not going to do this because this isn't my job. That I disagree with. I'll do it so I can fix it. Because guess what? I'll fix it and I'm putting it on my resume. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't always think what you're doing for them. Mm -hmm. How can you get something out of it? It may not be for them. 
it may and you may not get it out of them you may get it out of someone else it's kind of like how they say karma doesn't come back to this person from the person that it comes back yeah. yes yes eventually it comes yep. back multiplied often mm-hmm. all right i have maybe three more questions okay. because this has been really fascinating because this is an area this is still health care yes but it's health care that we don't think about mm-hmm. and i think you shared at some point that what you've been able to generate in terms of savings is a major revenue generator and that's compared to other what doctors are generating and ICUs may be generating and labor and deliveries are generating this recoup of money mm-hmm. is resulting in significant um, savings. Yes, because in the 340B world, you think of it more as savings because you had to spend it anyways. Right. But how do I spend it in a better way? Okay. Um, so from the patient side of it, what would you say to patients? You said majority of the patients in this healthcare system either have Medicaid or Medicare. How do I reap benefits from it? Or what do I need to know to ensure that I'm also seeing a benefit of this program? And I understand what you're saying, that the hospital is now in a better position to provide additional services mm-hmm. as needed. But as a patient or looking at this healthcare system, is there something I can do or something I need to know in order to benefit from the 340B program? Um, Oftentimes when patients benefit, they don't even know they're benefiting from the 340B program. But what I can say, um, if you go to a health system, use their pharmacy. Because when you use their pharmacy, if there's something that they need to help you with, they can figure out a way to make it happen for you because it's their pharmacy. If they're thinking of, okay, I'm just gonna move this behind the scene. I can still give it to you. Think about it, if you go out to an outside pharmacy and it's not covered, it's not covered. The staff can't do anything about it because it's a big old corporation. So let me understand this a little bit better. You're saying I'm, I'm not hospitalized but I am on medications. And as we get older, it seems like the number of medications that we need increases. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost seems like we're a nation on prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Just about all of us are taking prescriptions mm-hmm. on, a, on a regular basis. So, and most of us, if we're not hospitalized, will go to neighborhood pharmacies, mm-hmm. Rite Aid, CVS, mm-hmm. You name. Mm-hmm. And you're saying I should go to the hospital pharmacy? Yeah. Instead um, of going to one of those? Yeah. You know, sometimes they have contracts with them to provide that, but they cannot directly pass that savings to you in that pharmacy. All right. So if I have an expensive drug that I have to take, I mean, if I'm a cancer patient and have expensive drugs or, I mean, all drugs are expensive at this point and my insurance is not covering or there's a huge portion that I have to pay in order to get this this drug, it would be better for me to go to a hospital that has a 340B drug pricing program. Yeah, the, if your hospital has a 340B program and you're getting prescriptions from, that hosp- from, from their services, it's better to go to their pharmacy. 
because my insurance says well we're not going to cover then that's when okay then you have to go outside or 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 such but if your insurance covers to use it at their pharmacy that is the best bet because it's easier for them to pass along savings in their pharmacy than it is when you contract when they when you go to outside pharmacy they do have contracts with outside pharmacies Mm -hmm. but just because of all of the rules and regulations, it's hard to tell, okay, yes, pass this to this person, that to that person. Then it's a big compliance issue. But within their own health system, because they have their system set up appropriately, their EMR information is in there. Um, they can, if they're using their program or have someone that understands the program well, they can build out whatever is needed to help that patient better within their system and that's what we're doing at my health system like yes go to your community pharmacy that's fine but we're trying to make it if you stay with us because we're that loop we will find a way and and reduce the lag time not saying the outside pharmacy won't help you but because we're so connected we're we're trying to make it a one loop thing right i mean does that translate in me not having a, a as high a cost yeah interesting but the pharmacy tech that you encounter when you go to the pharmacy may not know all this right yeah and so when I hear um, um, I'm sorry your 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 copay or your your portion is this I'm kind of left with that's that it is what it is mm-hmm. take it or leave it and this is the struggle with it because yes, I'm telling you to go to your pharmacy, your hospital's pharmacy, but they may not have the knowledge. And like, this is what I'm realizing in a 340B world. And so I'm actually thinking of ways I'm working with um, my manager. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how to standardize this to make it the mm-hmm. same everywhere and teach everyone that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's, you have all of these people. I need, you, I need someone to hire to get over this program, but they don't know how to navigate all of the issues and some hospitals struggle some do not some are doing it the optimal way some cannot because they don't even know where to start Mm -hmm. but the big the first part of it as this 340b thing is use your hospital's pharmacy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they're actively trying to figure it out because at the end of the day they're held accountable if there's something wrong and so they want to make sure they're doing it the right way. And eventually, behind the scenes, a lot of the people that are in 340B were trying to figure out, okay, how do we make this work for everyone? How do we standardize this? Because like I said earlier, it's a lot of gray. We have a lot of gray. The manufacturers get a lot of gray. We're not really getting anything. Um, I think maybe the government entity that's over it, they, they haven't. They're not working in the hospitals. They're not working in the manufacturers. And so I'm looking to be that to start on on top of doing everything that I'm doing with my current hospital. I'm seeing the problems because this is the this one was the biggest one that I'm like, oh, I got a lot of work here. And I'm like, if I see this here, I know it's happening everywhere. And so I'm like, okay, at this point. So this goes back to the question. You said, what's the next step? My next step, technically, I just had an epiphany. It's not necessarily to be over a health system. I want to... Policy. Yes. I want to get this 340B program right. 
So that's interesting because there is a lot of conversation mm -hmm. about drugs and drug prices and the high cost of drugs because we're maybe the only country that doesn't regulate pharmacy drug prices. Yep. And so the question is, what do we do about it? And so I think given the scenario, the 340B drug pricing program probably isn't going to go away anytime no. soon. It isn't going to go away anytime soon. It has a lot of work. It's There's no clear standard, no clear anything. And you often have the manufacturers concerned about this. Yes. I would say some of their concerns are valid, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to navigate that. And then you mm -hmm. have the covered entities. They're mm -hmm. concerned about this. They don't even know how to mm -hmm. effectively do it. And you have mm -hmm. everyone arguing and fighting. Mm -hmm. Then you have like all of these um, groups. Well, advocacy just, just to make it clear, when you talk about the manufacturers, you're talking about the Mercs and the Pfizer's yes. of the world. Yes. When you're talking about the covered entities and they have... They have their concerns about we spend all this time and all this money to develop these drugs. We need to get reimbursed. Right. And there's, you know, there's, there's duplicate discounts. So you remember earlier I said you pay the same. But if it's a Medicaid, because Medicaid goes and get re uh, a rebate from the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So if if we buy it on 340B, we have to alert Medicaid so they cannot get a rebate. So it won't be two discounts that the mm -hmm. manufacturer is giving. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of. Mm -hmm. Real concerns. Yes. Okay. So the manufacturers have real concerns. Right. And that's not just, I think, the 340 e program is highlighting a lot of the deficits in yes. healthcare or the yes. things that are not regulated. Right. PBMs, um, that's PBMs. your insurance um, prescription benefits manager. I, okay. I, I'm, okay. I may not say, but the, the company that your insurance company uses to process the claims. Yes. There's a lot of. It's like healthcare is like this big old ball of your Christmas tree lights. Yeah. And 340B is highlighting all of it because it has so many rules and regulation in this. And you get audited, but no one's doing it the same way. Right. You get to see all of the issues that are happening. Just like in the hospital, 340B, I think of it more as an operational thing. And hospitals of, are covered entities. Yes. Right? Hospitals and healthcare centers and all that. They're Those are the covered entities mm -hmm. that say we need to stay viable mm -hmm. in order to provide services. Yes. Yeah. So in the hospital, the, the 340B program is like a, it highlights things that we're doing operationally that we need to fix. Gotcha. I think the 340B program in healthcare highlights what's broken in our healthcare system. So you didn't, you touched on it slightly. There's also the insurance company. Yes. And the role they pay because they will say, you need to pass on some of these benefits to us too. Yes. And they'll say what they'll do, because a lot of insurance companies or PBMs, they own the insurance company and they own the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. The, 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 mm -hmm. And so they'll say, and then there is like specialty stuff. So you There's can't. Specialty pharmacies, uh -huh. right. So they will say, oh, well, if you have this insurance plan, you can only use this pharmacy. It's yes. their pharmacy. Yes. So then the covered entity has to contract with that pharmacy to be able to get the benefits. Crazy. And then, then you have like rebates and all of it. It's so, it's just a big old web. Yes. And I think we have that web. They created 340B program as a band-aid for that web, but now it's highlighting this band-aid 
isn't the fix. The band-aid could be the beginning of the fix, but we have to really work together to standardize it. Right. There's so many areas that need um, to be optimized. Yes. 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 And to me, that's my next step is that's creating. That's a big step. Yes. That's a big step. That's my next step. Creating some type of alliance group to optimize it, to work with the manufacturers and cover it, to be that middle person, to tell them, because oftentimes the, the covered entity thinks the manufacturer just doesn't want to give them the savings. The manufacturer thinks the covered entity is doing it all wrong and just taking the money and lining their pockets. Both sides are wrong and both sides are right. No, because no one knows how to do it. Oh my, what a mess. Yeah. What a mess. But kudos to you. I mean, truly an impressive story. I just hope anyone listening to this podcast appreciates what you've been able to do. It's not a small feat. I mean, I, I'm, my math may be off a little bit, but this is like 10 years, maybe 10 years out of college. Not even 10 years. Not Less than 10 years yeah. out of college. And now you are overseeing millions of dollars operational in the C-suite. Um, and you're not stopping. That's really amazing. Yeah. So my last question, what is your mother saying now? Oh, I love to tell her. You remember when you told me? And she's like, be quiet, be quiet. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you.